podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome again to the greatest Star Trek podcast in the history of both Star Trek and podcasting. Good to be here. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I am a security officer and I've had enough of this. If we were guilty, we wouldn't even be here right now. Mm, I feel like I hit that one quite a bit. You know what? It's it's dead center of all the clips, so that's sort of why... It's just calling to you. Yeah. I like to go... There. I just circled and then pointed, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. The rules of acquisition. We've been waiting for it. This is the I big know one. <laughs> how much Andy loves the Ferengi. <laughs> he couldn't wait to find out more about their culture. Thus far, for a show... Maybe this is the problem. For a show with a Ferengi main character, mm-hmm. the Ferengi episodes uh, are kind of tepid so far. Not to mm. tip my tip my cards. Well, I mean, you're not tipping anything because you're about to tell them if they should watch it or not. Yeah. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? Guys, if you need to skip it, skip it. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Andy's right. <laughs> um, those sound like the horns that played in that Voyager. <laughs> they do. Episode. They really do. <laughs> um, look, uh, let's go to the Admirals Club. Let's see who's out there doing the good work of rating us five stars on various platforms. Let's head in. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Man, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Just give us a five-star review wherever it would tickle your fancy, and you're in. Five stars, say whatever you'd like about the greatest podcast uh, to ever cover Star Trek, but uh, do it where we can find it. And if you think we can, we're not going to find it, send an email over to Andy. Um... I had a uh, a question sent in. Now I don't, mm-hmm, of course, mm-hmm. can't find it. Uh, but somebody was asking, um, <laughs> what if I'm on a platform or some kind of rating system where I could give it 10 instead of 5? Should it still be 5? Yes. <laughs> I had a feeling you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, who's 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 giving ten stars out? What do you mean? You think uh, you, you think that? You think people would give us top five of five, but they would not give us ten? Out of, well, ten. That's... No, but I mean, like, what platform is this? This that's all about these ten stars. That's too many stars to give the general public. Too many options? Yes, for stars. Yeah, I see. They're both. Um, maybe I'll come upon who's 
thing that was. But whatever it's like the case, like the Cheesecake Factory menu of ratings. Uh-huh. There's too many things. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you guys can decide what you want. I, I would say, you know. Maybe just it's give like us the most. If it's five little green. piggies, then give us five little piggies. If it's nine phasers, give us nine phasers. It's like when you go to a Greek diner mm. and they're like, you've got to try our lasagna as well as our beer-battered fish and chips. Sure. And also, don't forget to try our souvlaki. They've mastered all cuisines. Too many. Well, see, there's two two different things. One is you're talking about the diner issue of this is a book. I can't figure out where things are, what to get. I'm flooded. And the other issue is a level of quality of like you're diversifying too much. This is too many different kinds of things. I don't even think you should give me options on how many eggs or how or rather how I get my eggs cooked. What that we, should be like, like, like short order cook's choice. So you don't even have it necessarily a a preference of the kind of egg. I mean, I don't, I don't. Let's see. I, I don't like soft boiled. Yeah. And I oh. don't like. Yeah, I don't like uh, that. Like a just fried, fried, like where the yolk is cooked, also. Yeah. I like an over easy. I like a scramble. You like the little uncooked white? No. Or not uncooked, no. but sort of loose white. I don't like the no, loose white. I don't like it loose. I want the I want the yolk to run. Then what I would say, my friend, and I feel like we've had this conversation before on the Star Trek podcast, but uh I think what you want is an over medium. Because that mm. means the yolk is 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 not you know still it's not a liquid problem. but the white is cooked this isn't a problem for me because mm-hmm. i usually order the benedict yeah i'm i'm not crazy about benedicts i'm not crazy about poached love a scrambled love a fried love an omelet all right that does it for egg talk let's see who our admirals might be this week egg talk that's for the future um matthew clements from the UK, uh, we just have two from him. One, he sent in because he saw someone else had a uh, uh, an entry for us in the UK boards. It was like, oh, here was another one. So he sent in his own UK one, by the way, because mm-hmm. we don't, for some reason, it's hard for us to access. I'm sure there's a way to do it, but it's hard for us to access iTunes. Um, International ratings are not our forte. We can't see it. So send it in to sttncpod at gmail.com and, uh, and uh, we'll take a look with a, with a, a little screenshot of, of, your, of your review. Matthew Clements writes, uh, Secunda to none, found this podcast about two months ago and already got through 170 plus of the TNG episodes, Jesus. about to move on to the DS9 section. It's been great cramming five years worth of podcasting into such a short time and hearing Andy's love for Trek, especially for Roe, grow during that time and seeing him make the connections throughout the seasons the show is often chaotic and several off-topic sections including a random saucer that is never to be spoken of again my favorite of which is the i know them from something big 
It gives a scary insight into how Andy's brain works, and it's fun to see if it matches my memory. As a Frasier fan, it's great listening to Andy bring in all the connections with his background knowledge of filming histories. Uh, although at time uh, of listing, they've missed out that Gullivec was Chopper Dave. <laughs> Who is Chopper Dave? Chopper Dave was the uh, K. What is it? Casey radio or the radio it was it was the station helicopter pilot who would do the traffic report but oh on fraser whenever yeah whenever chopper dave was around in the station he'd yell like he's yelling over engines see oh see now i wonder if this is a situation where every once in a while people will say hey no, matt you said you, this thing and it's like you really mean you know, me or you, yeah you're the one who tells me that though oh you're the I one see. who does the fraser connections well i don't do them i'm I know, i'm sent them you read them out loud I'm just a mediator. I am merely the mediator. Uh, This has become my favorite podcast and has allowed me to relive TNG without sitting and watching all the episodes as they cover each episode in such detail. And I'm now preparing for the rough first couple of seasons of DS9 before it gets good. And if this is read on the podcast, I want in the Admirals Club. And Matt, you really need to watch the other sci-fi shows such as uh, no, Babylon 5, Stop reading. Battlestar Galactica, Expanse. Thanks for all we the great it. entertainment as discovering this podcast has been another benefit of remote working over teaching. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matthew Clements. And he sent in another one from the hilariously titled What You Tolkien About. Um, <laughs> it's appropriate for the UK. An excellent podcast that has reignited my interest in all things Star Trek. These are genuine fans that discuss the pros and cons of Star Trek as if you were with your mates down at the pub. Oh, what am I doing? These are from the UK. Light-hearted picking a part of the episodes, which is enjoyable to hear. It's kind of, a, kind of an Australian turned into world. Oliver Twist. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Well, that's no, good. You, then you that's started, still UK. You started with Australian. The various jingles are catchy and well-written by fellow listeners. Allows me Mm. to enjoy Star Trek episodes on the move, any time, any place. You may know, Andy. No, that's specific acting. I wanted your accent corner. Keep up the good work. It would be great to hear you get to Voyager and Enterprise. Love to hear your thoughts on all those. I had like nine different bad accents in that one. Oh, it's Andy's accent corner. Andy's accent corner. Andy's accent corner. Animo Andy, tú puedes. It's gonna be shit. There you go. The uh, the letter about the uh, rating, which is what happens if I leave it a five star review on a platform raised allows up to ten stars, was from Mark T. Warren. FYI. Um, that's it for the Admirals Club. Great. We're gonna head over to the President's Circle. We've got. Now, now there is a Tapol thing. We haven't figured exactly how to tee it up or where it goes. Does that does that go before we're in the president circle, or we talk about it once we're in the? Pre- I guess we should talk about it once we're in the president circle because it's a Patreon feature to we vote can't for the Tapols. Talk about it without everybody hearing it. So we got right. go to We're out. In, you're right. We're out in the corridor. This is this is why you're the captain. Yes, it's the President's Circle. These are our top-tier patrons, our supporters, the people who say, you know what? 
we want more Matt and Andy. To which I say, okay, here's us. <laughs> Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC to support the show. Get yourself a bunch of podcasts every month that are additional to these Deep Space Nine ones. We're covering Voyager, uh, Enterprise. Uh, we're currently going through every week Strange New Worlds, which brings me to the fact that for the Strange New Worlds finale, we will be doing a video, live video version of the podcast. Uh, for the patrons in there, it'll be a lot of fun. I hope you sign up and join us. It'll be on whatever that date is. I'm going to guess it's a... I should have been prepared for this. The 10th? That's correct. August 10th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. Why that weird time? Because... We figured it'll give everyone an opportunity to either watch us live or that very day watch us in the archived version. We'll probably be looking at the uh, chats also. Obviously. So you can you can harangue us about possible uh, opinions we've had this season for Strange New Worlds. Up or- and down, up and down. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. We're all here together. Uh, anyway, Andy... Who's getting the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor? Speaking um, of Strange New Worlds. The uh, the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Oh, I should have told you this. There's a, well, I, can, I can go on and talk about the Tapols while you uh, pull some uh, some sounds out of today's sounds. Um, uh, we didn't hear from Tristan yet because this has been a, sort of a faster episode. Tristan is our current statistician. Um and uh, for Melora, the last episode. Uh, but I thought it was uh, interesting that <laughs> somebody, Neil Studd, a.k.a. Nearest's Pieces? Nearest? Nearest. Nearest's pieces. pieces. Oh, God, see? Can't, can't, see a, can't, can't see a pun. Um, and uh, says, and now let's hand the mic. Most, most of the votes seem to be landing around five. I'm sure Tristan will give us a, a more complete breakdown later. But uh, Neil says, and now let's hand the microphone to the person who voted this a nine, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, it seems like Andy, there's a couple of votes for 10 also. I don't see the sounds. I'm in the, I'm in the correct folder. I'm sorry. No, you're in the correct folder. I apologize. I'm realizing that I'm at a late situation of preparation so sometimes guys sometimes i drop the ball um we only planned to do this yesterday so uh so okay i'm gonna drop those in in a moment and for now i'm gonna keep reading unless you want to sounds good to me i'm happy to vamp if you want but uh, yeah vamp for a sec great uh come over we're i think we're gonna start doing some more live shows in the uh, patreon you know, give you guys a little, little, little more access to uh, watching our meandering happen as uh, as I fumble through sound clips and uh, Andy Reid's hails. Uh, why not see our blank stares? Speaking of blank stares, I'm happy to segue over to more things I could talk about. Have you ever written a segue, Andy? Um, I'm sure I have at some point in my writing career. How are you so sure? Well, I definitely wrote some on, on Late Night. But... I've never written a segue. <laughs> You've never written a segue? Oh, I say, I'm, saying, I'm talking about riding a segue. 
oh, not writing, written. I, I see what you said there because it could have been that I'm asking if you have written the word written. <laughs> but I'm asking if you have ever ridden. That is hilarious. That is both, I mistook both words. But in fairness, they sound like both words. Oh, yeah. Well, segue. it's the same word with segue. So. <laughs> Uh, no. I have rid- ridden a Segway, and uh, it didn't seem that fun. It seemed kind of disturbing. There you go. Have uh, you ridden a Segway? Have. Never have. Uh, probably never will. Thank you. I've also I ridden Segways. Um, I get everything we need. Great. Uh, first one, I'm going to give the uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor to Joe Moore, one of our many Moores, um, uh, who, who refers to himself as uh, Joe Great Eyesight. Cosmo Moore. Ron Moore. Roger Moore. A Josh Moore. Ronald D. Moore. A Joe Moore. I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moores. This is turning into uh, an episode equal to the quality of Melora for us. Um, How else are we going to get people to sign for the Patreon unless we're delivering utter trash? (laughs) The worst salesman for ourselves there ever were. Um, Joe Moore says, hi, Andy. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying the pod as always. Thank you for your tolerance, Joe. I made a silly uh, audio edit for you guys. Hope you like it. Thanks again for all the great content. Joe, great eyesight more because there's some other mores in there with poor eyesight. Laura. <laughs> Very appropriate. Uh, I mean, that came in. For the Paul Rubens. That came in prior to. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that is crazy, and I am delighted to uh, have waited. Like That's like that, that's so much of the song before you get to the punchline. Yeah. Do you respect that, or do you find that well, annoying? I, I think, you know, I think the longer, the funnier. I don't know if I agree with that in general, but I think in this it's case... It's like the higher, right. the fewer. It's the higher, the fewer, the longer, the funnier. I think in this case, you know there's going to be a drop coming. You know how the song goes, so it's perfect. But I think right. uh, I think often the Kaufman approach of longer equals funnier is like, you have to be very sure of yourself in that situation for it to be great. That's my overall on that. Um, okay, the next hail to keep things moving. Oh, so let's get into the priority one messages proper. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. This is from Lieutenant David Simon. Um, who uh, created The Wire. Thank you for that great, great show. Um, has Andy seen this? Apparently he's not the only one confused about Susie Plaxon's status. Uh, and I sent you the link for this. Um, 
and other people had sent it too. Uh, apparently, at some point or currently, it's I'm not I'm not clear. Not only is Susie Plaxen alive, uh, which I've made the mistake of, of uh, pre-obituarying uh, her, if that is a verb, um, but she has done uh, a show called The Poor Dead Kalara Show. Um, and I think now she has an audio book. I think she was she was doing it on the convention circuit, and now she uh, she sells it. So I feel like we should cover it, Matt, at some point. Um, thirty five minute Odyssey, twelve dollars and twelve cents. Um, All I'm saying is head over to Patreon, <laughs> and our our minute per dollar value is far greater than that. Go and click our link. For the Board Dead Color Show. <laughs> um, we don't have it, but uh, I'm sure it's findable. Um, anyway, uh, uh, you know, our best to, to Susie, and uh, you got a free plug. Adam Ridgewell says, Ridgewell says, this episode points out the st- in the strongest of terms how shitty Cardassian OSHA is, which is Occupational Safety and Health Administration. <laughs> And uh, that's really true. There's a lot of lips, and there aren't really ramps. There's uh, they're not taking care of anybody on that ship. Um, it's a I, station, not a ship. Come on. You know what? You're right. I apologize to everyone. God. Andrew Jackson also adds: Federation ships aren't much better. Every transporter pad is a raised platform. That's true. Yeah. Um, but if need be, I'm sure Miles O'Brien could beam them directly to the floor. Yeah. Although, is it stuff like uh, Pike's future, um, you know, little unit? Mm-hmm. Uh, is Does that have a little anti-grav element? Yeah, does it, does it, it must, float? right? I thought it was a floaty thing. I don't think it was a floaty thing. I think I think I always it was, imagined I'm, it as a floaty thing. You know what? Maybe it was, but they hid the floaty thing or aspects of it where they clearly were using wheels at the time. I think. Um. Unless, unless the new one is a floaty thing, but the old one wasn't. Does it shake as much as Luke's speeder? <laughs> I assume if it was going as fast as Luke's speeder. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> some, some effects genius do by going through the forest at that speed. Um, Bashir is wildly inappropriate here. He should be investigated for malpractice. He tells her he's not her doctor anymore because she needs a friend, then exploits that trust to do medical experiments on her. It's a really good point, Andrew Jackson. Um, Nick Tabasco says, besides having an extra degree of outdatedness and cringe acting with the floating scene, I don't think they could whack us on the head any harder with the treatment and rights of the physically challenged. It was just plain unpleasant to me watching the Melora actress's, uh, actress's performance. We did get more proof that Bashir's surprise acting is the Pierce Brosnan hurt acting of DS9. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, I don't know if you want to poke around in there but the my friend uh dynamo had pointed out to me that uh that i i believe in uh, memory alpha the the original writer of the episode was disabled and was very unhappy with the changes that they made 
to the characterization I, and mm-hmm. i believe it was mainly the uh the character the part the problem with the characterization that that i had i believe you had also of like why are they making her so friggin touchy and mean and right basically un, unable emotionally to handle the situation that she is putting herself in <laughs> um and he was like why why did you change this which is very strange um let's see robert mcfadden says there are a couple of things that never sat right with me with this episode first is i'm someone who doesn't like to ask for help or have things made easier by others so i understand where melora is coming from at base level but then she starts by making things hard on purpose like starting the project early why would you ever do that to yourself the other thing that never sat right with me was julian modifying her specifications for the chair uh why would you ever think that was a good idea you need a very specific item to function here let me change it around so it makes better sense to me the person who isn't going to use it for being a genius he's not smart I do like the idea of a species that evolved in lower gravity, but something tells me they probably wouldn't evolve hmm. limbs like humanoids with higher gravity. This was your main that's point, Matt. Maybe that's It'd be like jellyfish. Me. Robert, did you comment before you listened to the episode? Um, I guess it's my fault for not reading that more carefully. Kamaraki Moore, add me to the list of partially blind listeners. Huh. Hopefully just for a while, though. So I assume your name is not Moore, and you're just making yourself one of from the from this planet of Moors. Um, Kamaraki says the worst episode of the season in the running for worst of DS Nine. Hmm. I didn't feel that strongly. Um, I mean, in retrospect, like looking back on it, even though it only was like last week that we recorded, it's, it's a doozy. I mean, now that I hear this element of like, I thought that they were like, at least in good faith, making an attempt to uh, do a sort of, you know, open-minded, informed take on disabled uh, people trying to... I think an attempt is just what we got. And for them to have then ignored the person they had access to who could give them an inside perspective my instinct is to rate rate it much lower Uh, Lieutenant Tim Glover says you both kept saying hollow bones I don't hang on a second hollow bones like a bird were you a 30 rock watcher Matt yeah Um, which is a hilarious runner on 30 rock hello I'm Phoebe I sent you a link We've met. You may not remember me. I have hollow bones like a bird. Oh, welcome back. How was Paris? Paris was fantastic. We stayed in this little place in the 7th that Phoebe knew about. I'm Phoebe. We've met before. Jack proposed to me outside your office. I have hollow bones like a bird. Yes, I remember you. Hi. Hi. Just parallel thinking. Chris Klochner says the first patent for aluminum oxynitride trade name Alon actually dates to 1980. So Scotty probably just started an infringement lawsuit. Whether or not this would have had an effect on the timeline is completely unknown because nobody cares about patent law for good or ill. Where's our transparent aluminum then? Yeah, who's hoarding the transparent aluminum? I want to have a, a see-through roof so I can see the stars. 
don't you on your car have one? I want it in my house so I can when I sleep I can look up at the stars. I mean, you could just put a couple skylights in. You don't need transparent aluminum. I mean, whatever you do, you. Yeah, but won't that not be strong? I want the whole roof to be see-through. Oh, that'd be terrible. Oh, uh-huh. I would hate that. Oh, I would hate that so much. <laughs> yeah, I would probably I hate be. the sun. It'd be like you'd bake. You would have you you would have accidentally made your home a greenhouse. Oh, what if I get one of those rich people Blade Runner tinted? You know, you you change the thing and it tints everything. You can make well, it. I don't think I don't think we can do that with aluminum. All right, well, Scotty, I need you to invent something else. Lieutenant Cal Lemon says, "So Melora doesn't want to have herself transported everywhere, but why wouldn't she just have items she needed transported to her?" Excellent question. Um, Klokner also says, according to the companion, the Melora character was initially developed at the beginning of the series to be part of the regular crew. Wow. But was later dropped because the semi-regular use of the low-gravity environment would be cost-prohibitive. One would hope that character would have been different than the one we got in the episode, but yikes, bullet dodged. Um... Yeah, I think if it was a long-term character, then maybe it would have started there. But then, you know, like with many of the DS9 and Star Trek characters, they would have figured it out. Pack led me wrong. <laughs> Hails us. So, Melora's species is called the Elations, perhaps spelled differently, but a homophone at least. Like, they are all supposed to be really happy all the time? To use it in a sentence. Wow, Melora is such an elated elation. Cue up Alanis Morissette already. Jeez. Um, Don't you think? Dick Warlock Esquire says, a lot of TV shows at some point visit the trope of the difficult guest star. This is usually some heralded genius or someone who is extremely capable. The story that happens as a result of this trope is different depending on the gender of the difficult guest star. If it's a man, everyone will know before his arrival of his reputation for being hard to deal with. Our regulars will try to come up with strategies to pacify him. In the end, our regulars will come to the common ground with the male difficult guest star by will come to common ground with the male difficult guest star by gaining some sort of insight into his psyche. However, if the difficult guest star is a woman, woman, her brace of personality is usually a surprise to our regulars and the story will be about finding a way to quote fix her. <laughs> this is a really good analysis, Dick. And it is how it plays out. And it did feel it almost feels like the the narrow viewpoint on the disabled was trumped by the narrow viewpoint on women by the uh, by the people making some of the decisions there. Hmm. Like it was like they wanted to go to their fix the woman plot, and so they overruled the the like they had that in the hopper, didn't know where to put it. Or that was like, their oh, that was the their, that was their creative instinct, because it does feel like a. I mean, I understand she's had some some trauma and everything, and so it's like about sort of Bashir helping her. She's had a lot of self inflicted trauma. Well, that's part. That's a huge part of the her, problem. Her her beautifully uh, gravimetrically perfect uh, yeah. planet with all her perf- her and her brother floating around in the stratosphere. Um, and or just in, hanging out in front of the green screen. 
Big Citrus says, uh, I'd kill for Our a Mac. Our parents loved green screens. We'd always take a green <laughs> Wait, put on a helmet. It'll look even more like we're in the sky. Yay. Uh, oh, sorry. I wanted to finish this thing. Uh, Dick Borlock says, in regards to the work of Taylor Sheridan, Yellowstone is good, but you have to watch a few episodes before it takes hold. Yeah, I quit before then. Uh, although I do love Taylor Sheridan. However, T- Sheridan did a Yellowstone prequel called uh, 1883. I think it's the best television show I've ever watched, he says. I mean, it's got Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. Why wouldn't it be? You don't need to know a single thing about Yellowstone to enjoy it. If you like Deadwood, you're going to lose your mind. If you uh, if you didn't like Deadwood, you'll still lose your mind for this. And then Big Citra says, I'd kill for a Matt Andy Yellowstone pod, Matt. I've never watched a show that has made such a little logical sense, and that may be just objectively bad, but is somehow good. Seems right up their street. That's it's somewhat uh, interesting to me, actually, the idea of doing that. <laughs> this is why it's so opposite of this of Star Trek. This is why it's I endlessly pitch you things because I know eventually your weird brain is going to go. Yeah, all right, eighteen eighty three. Um, it's an interesting thought. Not like, Battlestar Galactica, not Babylon 5. But, uh, yeah, no. okay. 1883? <laughs> People taming the West? I guess it is a good compliment to DS9. It's Space Frontier or Frontier Frontier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ancient Frontier. David S., the homework-stealing Vulcan, says, The Expanse handles humans living and having grown up in low-gravity situations better and life in zero-gravity better. One of the bigger issues is breathing in higher gravity would present a large strain on your chest in terms of being able to breathe. So much so that the spoilers for The Expanse, but not really, it's one of the first episodes. Earthers uh, use Earth gravity as torture for belters that have semi-evolved in low gravity. Um, Melora would need something to help her breathe normally, like a CPAP machine or exosuit with a gravity dampening system. So I guess there's no ADA, Aliens with Disabilities Act, on Tarek Noir and Starfleet. So uh, like, please, Starfleet, like, please, Starfleet, start retrofitting DS9 to keep up with the needs of everyone. Makes zero sense that Melora would not be able to return to a lower gravity situation after receiving the treatment. If they'd thrown in a hand wavy line like this, you need to stay in higher gravity and receive calcium supplements to build the density of your bones to accommodate the higher tension your muscles would be putting on them. And going into lower gravity will slow down the process of osteogenesis. That would be acceptable. But even then, she would still be able to return to lower gravity on her home planet after completing the treatment and would be like Superman to them. Super strong, but maybe not as floaty due to the additional mass in her bones. Christina Peck adds to the list. I love The Expanse. That would be a great patron watch. There were a lot of them this week. That's why I put them in. A lot of people saying, hey, they should watch this. I was like, don't you guys listen to the pod? Do you hear Matt swatting down every possible other thing except for 1883, apparently? We're just here to give you a wonderful Star Trek podcast. And 1883. <laughs> The Ultimate Trekker wants to give a shout out to Mrs. The Ultimate Trekker for being a wonderful caretaker. Um, I mean, this is not a personal message board, but okay. Matt, that's not a message. That is his handle. Oh. Um, he found a way to beat the system. 
Less gravity equals less atmospheric. Melora's lungs would be crushed in an Earth-like atmosphere, not to mention any uh, that flight of any kind would be more improbable. Special guest Maybe, star. How do you know that her rib cage isn't like super enforced because these people have evolved also to crash into things while they're flying around their planet? Hmm. Yeah, I guess they don't need hollow bones, do they? Because they're just hollow, hollow. That's that would be a great emergency uh, medical hologram. If it was Doctor McCoy, it'd be a hollow bones. <laughs> Hi, everybody. The best Star Trek pun. <laughs> Somehow that was so bad that my pun blind brain still I know, saw I it. I saw right through it. it was, oh, I did it slow. You like, did. You, did. you walked me out. through it. You walked me through it. That's fair. <laughs> you know who you were dealing with. I was dreading the typical look I get from you with puns, which is just like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I'm sure some of our Patreon live show. If you want to see these faces, <laughs> that, that is a huge advantage. Is to see my 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 look of blankness that I'm just like. Well, I'm sure one one of the other people listening is getting what's going on. So I hope they're enjoying whatever's happening. Um, special guest star Mark J. Schultes, our old friend, <laughs> says <laughs> Andy uh, as oh, this is, I can't tell if this is this is a nickname for me. Or if this, I think it's just a quote from me. Andy, uh, I agreed to doing this podcast with you just to hear criticism worse than what's in my own head. Oh, this is a quote that I said in the last one. And uh, Mark says, literally can't stop laughing at this. Um, and then Mark also says, not going to lie, I find more excitement in retrieving unwanted coupons from my mailbox than this episode. Mm. Are you a coupon or a coupon guy, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I've heard both now, so I'm not sure what I would say. I always, Do you have a coupon for that? I'm a coupon guy. I grew up with coupons, but uh, but I know most people say coupons. That should be uh, it to Paul. I feel like Mary Myris is coupons. She's a Q, I think. Best to Mary. Uh, remind me to do it to Paul about coupons, coupons. Uh, Joe Morin is weirdly specific references. Rimmer says, uh, oh, this is from, uh, this is a um, a uh, Red Dwarf. Uh, Rimmer uh, quote is, may I remind you of Space Corps Directive 34124. I didn't want to show enough to do impressions. Crichton says, 34124, no officer with false teeth should attempt oral sex in zero gravity? That's a quote from the show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ruddy Chops <laughs> says, The gravity thing is just so wrong. It always bugged me. I never liked this one. You would walk on your own planet like we do and then be dragged down to the floor on for, in our gravity, for example. Also the trope of the disabled. I don't need your help. Uh, I see Klingon restaurants like the kind of quote uh, white people challenge unquote of ordering tongue or head meat at a Mexican restaurant or poo-pooing the Hunan cottage to go to Chinatown for the blackened chicken feet or whatnot. in one way uh, or it's branching out to appreciate a culture but sometimes I feel like it's a bit performative like I think Dax loves it but Bashir is making a show of it uh, if there's like a Klingon equivalent 
of a Bon Mi or ramen, not alive, they might get some crossing traffic. What's crossing this is traffic? An interesting analysis of how economically feasible it is for that Klingon to be running that storefront. Yeah. That's what you've just sent us. I kind of like it. You are a dork. Welcome. You're among friends. They gotta be... It's interesting. We don't see that many Klingons walking around. I was... I was talking to somebody who's not even a listener to the pod who is who made a point of saying how fantastic the makeup is on the show, which I've commented on before. And what's impressive is how many amazing fucking background side aliens they just throw in. Like, far above other Trek shows... Like, this is going to be the central alien level of design. Um, nonetheless, I don't feel like you see that many Klingons walking around. So it does raise the question of how many people are eating that Klingon food. Maybe there is a Klingon bond me. I don't know. It does feel like, based on what they're telling us, that Klingons, Klingon food is the equivalent of like Chinese or Thai or Mexican food on Earth. No. 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 <laughs> they're, they're like, all that food was raw and still moving. I mean, that's how I feel about it, but seem like both that's Melora... That's how you feel about Chinese food? No. I'm saying that's how I feel about Klingon food. Uh-huh. But uh, Melora and Bashir and apparently Dax are all in on it. And he's... I think with the, I think the purpose of that was to have that like moment where of, she asks for the real yes one. yeah yeah uh, let me help you uh person who needs help doing everything i'll order for us right it's also the and most she's like no 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 it's also the most badass theoretically food it's like the fear factor of foods um i hate it i hate gross food <laughs> I hate, that, that's like honestly that's why i don't like temple of doom very much you hate watching people eat gross food is what you mean yeah i hate the idea of it and the like i'm like this doesn't no one's doing this are you a flat you hate temple of doom i dislike temple of doom amongst all of the movies i mean sure there are now two that are even worse than it yeah um I, i rate temple of doom second um Miguel A. Moretta says, This episode has a wonderful Andy School of Specific Acting moment. The scene at lunch where Bashir is talking about herbs and tennis. Herbs. Behind Melora, we can observe a table with three packlets slowly and confusedly taking turns analyzing some kind of contraption, possibly a napkin dispenser. We also see the shadiest man ever sit down alone between the packlets table and Melora, who can't help but look over his shoulders as suspiciously as possible every few seconds. At one point, he even gives him packlets an odd look. It's truly one of the great moments in ASA. Thank you, <laughs> Lieutenant Moretta. Um, for that ASA observation, maybe uh, maybe uh, Jeff Mullins will throw it into the into the commentary in the commentary videos that are currently being thrown up on uh, on TikTok. We had a we moment have to be commenting about it for it to go up there. I don't want to hassle you, Matt, but uh, our Instagram was mm-hmm. snatched away from us. 
by Instagram or a Star Trek TNC Instagram. Not that Why? it was. Well, that's the thing. I was just like, what are you complaining about? I'm never posting anything on it. What, what offended you? And they said, you broke the community guidelines. You have to appeal. And then I appealed. And I was like, and then they said, nope, you didn't change it enough. So we're taking it away forever. I was like, what? And then a few days later, they gave it back and said, we made a mistake. Everything's fine. What? <laughs> it's completely the heck? crazy. Was it a copyright thing? Like- it wasn't. It was nothing. That's so weird. Because um, yeah, when, I, when I signed back into Twitter after a long time, it was like I had violated some copyright rule or something. And I was like, what? Yeah. Never got an email, never got a notification about it. And I think that lost me the verification check mark. Back before, you know, crazy billionaire decided to tank the company himself. It was like, I was like, who do I pay? I don't even know what, what, I don't even know what prompted this copyright thing. So how can I appeal it? Yeah. No, I mean, that's the, I think that that was what happened with, with Instagram too. Um, I don't like, this is going to be really an obvious statement. I don't like that in the modern world, everything has been geared farther and farther away from dealing with a human to resolve whatever the issue is because it's all... That's why we're on strike right now. Yep. Lieutenant, well, some of us are. You, you aren't. Um, John's... I've been on strike for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant John Zhu says, a few thoughts on the scene in the Klingon restaurant. Regarding the quality of food, uh, at Quark's, I remember a couple of snarks, maybe in future episodes, about the low quality of food at Quark's. For instance, Kira said something along the lines of, I'm so hungry I could eat Quark's food. Uh, But that suggests Quark's food might not be all that good. Of course, Kira does have it out for Quark, so maybe her opinion isn't based on the actual quality of the food. Not so sure about Matt and Andy's comments on how can Bashir and Malora both like Klingon food, it's worms and bait. Consider how many foreign foods have been initially seen by Americans as bizarre before gaining wide acceptance. No. Get out of here with that. <laughs> it's not that far-fetched that Star it's Trek ridiculous. officers are regularly exposed to a broad range of alien cultures are comfortable with no, alien stop cuisines. Stop it. Stop writing to us. It's <laughs> Klingon food's often That's common ingredients. That's Eat some worms. Get out of Asian here. with slight modifications. Never looked that strange to me. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting take that it is some similarity to too hardcore authentic Asian cooking. Bashir and Melora's uh, relative nonchalance about going out for Klingon food is actually a welcome shift from the casual exoticism seen on the TNG season two episode where Picard and Pulaski gawk at Riker's Klingon meal when it was basically just a table full of Asian ingredients. I love the Klingon restaurant owner was holding out the good stuff until Melora asked to write in Klingon like Chinese restaurants that have a secret Chinese only menu. Um, if anybody knows of uh, ways for me to get this, the secret Chinese-only menu, um, I guess probably... It's a myth that they perpetuate to white people. I don't think that's true. I think I've I've gone I'm with yeah, friends that have talked the talk, so to speak, who, uh, who've gotten us whatever the stuff is. Um, Was it delicious? Was it better than the regular stuff on the menu? 
I don't probably not. I think it's probably the only time I'd gone to the restaurant, so I wouldn't know. But uh, certainly, I enjoy the. Exp- I always enjoy the experience, as you know, as one can imagine, of getting the special food, even if it's chilled monkey brains. Matt shaking his don't head. Don't care for it. Don't care for it. Ben Palavin says, "I didn't rewatch this episode, but the image of Melora flying through zero G always stayed with me as beautiful." Also. Okay. A probable reason the Alations evolved the way that they did was possibly because of the progenitor aliens from TNG's The Chase who forced all evolution to look like them. Um, it's a decent explanation. Although, when did the progenitors drop the seeds of life on the planet? Isn't it still like Some millions, millions of years, of years, years ago? ago? Yeah. Maybe not millions, but like... Right, there would have been some evolution that would have taken place, obviously, in yeah. less gravity. Um, then I had another one. I'm sorry, I can't find it. That was just about uh, Bashir, basically. Them both calling it off immediately. Maybe it was in one of these these uh, voice hails. Uh, let's open the Hailberg Hailberg Proppers. Here we go. Hailbergs are getting open, but we gotta get out of here first. And then we can get some hails. Captain, we are being hailed. First, let's take a check-in on our old friend Damien from Brisbane. Uh, please play Damien. Hey, Matt. Hey, Andy. Damien from Brisbane. Just calling in to say I'm loving the Deep Space Nine run. Just going to get better and better and better. Absolutely fantastic. But the main reason I wanted to ring in was regarding uh, my deep, deep desire Say, ah! I fucking told you so. Chronological on the Instagram post. It'll stupid. It'll never get done. It won't get posted. It's a dumb idea, Andy. I got angry at you at the time, and I said it's so stupid. Why would you even consider doing that? Just post it as you get it. Otherwise, you're gonna end up with this huge backlog, and shit'll never get done. Correct. Oh my god. Ah! Told you so. Bye. Damon, you told you so would have more of an effect on Andy if he didn't know that you were right when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, it was a personal uh, challenge for me to get up to date, just despite Matt at that moment, and I did it. And uh, and I and I always intended, obviously, to move forward. And you know what? There may be some changes afoot. I know I've been saying it for years and years, but I'm getting some help. Um, so. Uh, we may be uh, back on track, slowly trickling out. We've got our TikTok anyway. Um, that's they're all at Star Trek TNC. So, um, and that's got it's going to have a little mixture of videos. Going to have some stuff from the Patreon, some stuff from uh, DS Nine. That won't be chronological. Uh, then we have one Prime Corrective. Before we get out of here, that was our only hail. Uh, it's because we had a shortened amount of time before turning around from the previous one. Time for retrospective, because truth is all objective. It's a prime. 
Our shortened hails are 51 minutes. Well, we did do our own talking amongst ourselves. Lieutenant Scott Orr. No, it's not. He's not a lieutenant. He's just a regular crewman. Uh, Scott Orr says, in the Melora episode, Matt must have been playing too much Spider-Man. He said Superman worked at the Daily Bugle. Clark Kent oh works God. at the Daily Planet. Planet. Oh, my God. Peter Parker works at the Daily what a, Bugle. What a ding-dong. I can't believe you're the only person that wrote in about that. He's not. Other people did, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nerds! <laughs> There's a thing in news radio. Geek test busted. <laughs> um, that's it for the hails. Uh, if you'd like to send a hail to us, send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. You can tweet or Instagram my co-host at Matt Myra. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda. Or you can look at my Instagram. I don't know why I say you could Instagram me. Uh, you can tweet at me at Secunda. Our Instagram and Twitter account is, and our TikTok account now is at Star Trek TNC. And uh, if you'd like to send us a voice hail, please do. It is 816 Trek TNC. frequencies closed, sir. Brisk. Just right to the action. 52 minutes flat. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Uh, This week's episode, we're talking about the rules of acquisition. Not the actual rules of acquisition, but the episode, the rules of acquisition. We cover some of them. Season two, episode seven. It first aired the 6th of November, 1993. What was happening out there? Well, the number one alternative song was Into Your Arms by the Lemonheads. Um, The number one song in both the U.S. and the U.K. was I Still I Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf. But I believe we played that already. Does it, does it, does it, that can't sound that. There you go. You Lemonheads guy? I mean, I'm not, I don't dislike the Lemonheads. Uh-huh. As people? Well, uh... They're fine. It's your classic, like, they, like, sort of were, like, right before I started listening to my own music kind of thing. Uh-huh. You know? Otherwise, I was, but, like, Evan Dando, he was, he's in the, he's in one of the episodes of Goldberg's that I wrote. The lead singer of Lemonheads, because his, uh. Turns out, uh, the Kremp's cousin is Evan Dando. You so, know, uh, it's funny. I that into an episode. I never, uh, is this for a digression? I, uh, I never was, that 
I never really followed the Lemonheads that much and uh, or knew that much about them. So I knew Evan Dando was in them. I never knew Jesse Peretz was in them. And uh, Jesse Peretz is now a director. A director who uh, I uh, was in uh, My Idiot Brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story on there. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I uh, had a scene one-on-one where I con the main character, Paul Rudd, out of a bunch of money. And uh, it was just him and me. And as we're, they put us both in a car and we're driving there. And I go, do we... Uh, how do you, how does this director feel about improvising? And he says, "I just do whatever you need." And um, so we get to the set, and we start doing the scene as is. And then I was, I was sort of like, he throws out a little bit of an improv, and then I throw out, and them sort of we're really like rolling, mm-hmm. but like we're getting back to the scene, and it's like this is to me this was the greatest example of like, oh, this is why a movie star is a movie star because he was like pulling a performance at like I could feel myself playing tennis with a fantastic it was fantastic mm-hmm, and when we were mm-hmm. and he even goes to the director like uh this is what the movie should be <laughs> and i was thinking to myself like i fucking i am i'm about to become jack mcbrayer i am about to become a star <laughs> this is it this is it secunda forget about all the other stuff all that writing crap you it is about to happen for you <laughs> cut out of the movie <laughs> there's one shot of me on a train which was very nice of actually uh the rest of them to leave me in at least a little bit to get a little bit of residual check but uh but uh, cut out of the movie and i could tell in retrospect jesse who had also written the thing and in fairness to him he wanted his lines and so then you know it was like he didn't want this fucking weird ad lib stuff mm-hmm. although i thought it was great but what am I? What do I know? I'm the actor. I'm, I don't want to see the whole, whole the whole picture of the movie. Um, anyway, that's my story. Who'd have thought the number one alternative rock song from November sixth, nineteen ninety three, would get that kind of story out of us? Number one TV show that week, sixty minutes. Born that week, Cleveland Indian Francisco Lindor. Uh, events. Lindor. Lindor. Baseball fan Andrew Secunda. Uh, events. Windows three point one is released. Um, the first Ultimate Fighting Championship airs on pay-per-view. Time Magazine cover, Human Cloning, California Burning. Sounds about right. Hmm. Uh, I lost. I lost Mamas and the Papas single. Do you think there are human full-grown clones walking around? Probably. Hmm. Some Some billionaire... I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah. Look, Barbara Streisand cloned her dogs. I get it. Did she really? Fully? Yep. I would clone Bo. It's like 20 grand. Mm. Something to that effect. But then then I would raise him. What do you need? To not be a weirdo. I don't know. What do you do? Like how much genetic material do you need? I don't know. I don't do this for a living. 
Well, look into it. Yet. Should I get into it? <laughs> Seems like we both of us better find some sidelines. This uh, this podcast, unless it somehow becomes the most successful podcast. We understand it's the best podcast. <laughs> unless it somehow becomes the most successful podcast, we're going to have to find other work eventually. Well, we're 59 minutes in and haven't started talking about the episode. So Elsewhere in Trek. Uh, elsewhere in Trek. I don't even know where I put that. Every well, you're slowing week. us down, Matt. Every fucking week. I mean, it's annoying to me, too, everybody. Elsewhere in track. Let's see what's out there. Engage. TNG's Attached also aired on November 6th, the same day this aired. That's a good one. Of course, it featured the Enterprise's crew, uh, cruise negotiations with the Kess and Pritt uh, people of the planet Kess Pritt. Uh, three <laughs> and the last word for a while uh, on the Picard Crusher romance. However, according to the Okuda's 1997 Star Trek chronology, Riker had just come back from a visit to Deep Space Nine where he met Jadzia Dax at Quarks and earned a reputation as a good Dabo player. No spoilers, Andy, but this will pay off in season in a season three DS9 episode. Speaking of people named Kess, on November 5th, Michael Piller turned in the dra- the third draft of Voyager's pilot story outline. Character names were still in flux, so Neelix was called Felox. Mm, I wonder if that's because that's a it cat also, thing. I mean, that, that paid off when, when Riker hailed DS9 and talked to Quark. And was like, "Look, I don't, I don't need all the latinum that you owe me from my Dabo run. If you give me this information, oh yeah, Tuvok Vicon. Oh, that would have been a mistake. Harry Kim, Jay Osaka, and Kess Da. These were all good rewrites. Good work, guys. Uh, maybe Pillar later watched Attached and thought Kess was a better fit. P.S. Regarding." Luxana Troy's chronology. She showed up once per season over the course of TNG season one to five. She skipped TNG season six to appear on DS9 season one, then went back to TNG for Dark Page. She never appeared on both series in the same TV season. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, um, and then, I don't know if there's something <laughs> you asked for uh, from Arur uh, <laughs> Home Improvement. Oh, I think that's just a Oh. <laughs> right. It's just the sound. Uh, Home Improvement Season 3, Episode 7, Blow Up. <laughs> the local library has a dinner honoring Jill for her fundraising efforts. Efforts. Tim provides a picture for Jill for them to blow up for a poster. It's an unflattering it's picture. An awful picture. I remember that episode. Al takes the boys to miniature golf, and they do better than him. Actors in Trek, Star Trek Voyager, uh, Robert Picardo. Star Trek First Contact, Robert Picardo. That's your <laughs> home improvement breakdown that I do not remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for it. Know what that would be, why that was even mentioned, other than your impression. Right. Uh, thank you for that, Andy. Let's get into this episode, shall we? What episode of what? Uh, what? What am I missing? I'm just joking. Oh, I was like, is it 
Seinfeld or Late Night with No, no, I was joking like we had forgotten. But we do have other episodes of things. And I was like, oh, no, I missed a thing. <laughs> you thought we were, in, we were in a Voyager episode. You would forget. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about it. It's uh, written by, let's see, Teleplay. We got Iris Stephen Bear. Story, Hillary Bader, directed by David Livingston. And Memory Alpha describes it as such. Grand Nagus Zek assigns Quark to initiate negotiations with a planet in the Gamma Quadrant, but Quark's new associate is not what he seems. Mm. Someone's using a chainsaw outside, which is a lot of fun for me to hear. Hopefully. You mean... The holodeck is playing the chainsaw too loudly. Correct. Someone, someone in the next holodeck is in a in a lumberjack simulation. <laughs> All right, Morn, you know the rules. No sleeping on the promenade. Go home. This is very gentle of Odo. Uh, look, I think that's just because Morn's a beloved a beloved uh, scamp. Yeah. Even Odo's soft on him. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I wonder why. I like this fake thing. I mean, the prop guy has has to build that and go, okay, here's how I think the game works. And he explains it to somebody on set like a writer or a producer and the writer or producer probably goes okay <laughs> <laughs> and then Star Trek fans for generations analyze yep. and dissect and justify <laughs> every choice that was oh, made oh man oh man <laughs> the risk is to you Lieutenant I could probably think better without your hand on my thigh now how did that get there <laughs> So, uh, what's it going to be? Confront, evade, acquire, retreat. Confront. <sighs> yes. Doesn't she ever lose? Tell me, Lieutenant, how'd you get to be so good at Tongo? Uh, actually, it was Curzon who played it all the time. Well, that explains it. It's Curzon who's beating us, not this female. This female happens to be a better player than Curzon ever was. And a prettier one, too. Maybe so, but I still prefer a Ferengi female. One who never wears clothes, never talks back, and never plays Tongo. Is that really how you prefer your women? Um, I got so much to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to, I was like, I don't, it just it seems, it seems unrealistic that a species could get to warp capable. <laughs> and still have these perspectives on women. And still, and still be treating their women like that. It's insane. But anyway, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, certainly I agree with the, the spirit of what you're saying, but uh, uh, but uh, we've I guess we have a messed up civilization with the uh, with our, our issues. But doesn't yeah, it also we don't, we don't build warp drive. And right. That's true. Cochran does probably would have then. And then it ushers in some peace, and then we don't get really space going until everything works out. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a good spin. Um, on that, in that sort of direction, um, Jitsia and uh, Kira are shockingly 
uh, tolerant. I mean, I, I'm I can't believe Kira doesn't take off the Negus's head in this episode with the amount I mean, of if this was modern stuff Trek, that's happening. Would, would have decapitated him with a bat left, sure. Like I don't, but even in this moment, I'm just sort of like she's she's so accepting of of the situation. Um, and I really I think wonder, inherently it's because she can't take care of herself. I that's friend. the vibe, and I think that the uh, that is it is played that way. The actress plays it that way, but it still is kind of crazy to me. Um, but whatever the case, um, for for on on television, uh. Nonetheless, uh, I thought the game is uh, really fantastic. Um, I think the design is great. I like the the choices. Uh, it does seem like I guess there must be stuff going on that's like more strategic because otherwise it just seems like it's a choice of you know whether you're going to call their bluff or not call their bluff. Um, but I'm sure some of you have information that that's the more of the nuances but i really love the spinny thing i love the it just feels like a real game i really like it and often like with dabo it's just sort of like this means nothing this is all nonsense um but the most important thing is fucking tell me lieutenant had you get to be so good at tongo actually it was curzon that played it all the time <laughs> trills can pass along skills trill skills but then she goes on to say that I understand she's a better card player than he ever was. But she's taking the information that Curzon had and then combining yeah. it. This is this is how they illustrate. This is how they portray trills all the time. Like when she goes to fly with Kira because she one of her past symbiotes had a history with impulse engines, whatever the hell that was. I'm willing to accept, although I feel like we've already seen one. Well, she can fly. Or no, she can't fly. She can only do the engineering. And she is an engineer, so you can argue that if it's all memory... She's not an engineer. She's a science officer. Well... Wrong division. Next. So would you think that as someone in the science division, she would not be able to rewire stuff like the way that O'Brien would? Seems like Starfleet, you got to take a whole bunch of classes. This is what I'm saying. Of course, that's what I'm saying about the combat, that even if she has from past uh, hosts some combat knowledge in her what head. What if all she of them ha- were terrible? What if all of them were bad fighters? Well, I think then that's why you're keeping those those personalities alive. They're all bad fighters. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad bad choices in terms of like the, the, that rigid screening process to figure like, out who to put, like put the symbiont in. How many, like, let's say it's like 18 generations of Secundas she's got it. <laughs> How many of them are going to be great at fighting? I would say the Secundas are very lucky that they all got trills. Yeah. <laughs> they got symbionts. Um, anyway, so, so it feels to me like it's like the memories exist and then you can employ those memories. It's not fuzzy memories, which is what a lot of people have pitched. Like, oh, well, I only remember as much as a person would remember. I don't feel like that. I feel like it's built into being a trill that you have the memories unless I'm told otherwise. Wait, if you can only remember what a person can remember, well, what's the problem with that? I think the idea is, oh, this happened 100 years ago, so I can't really remember it that well is what some people have I pitched. Mean, depends on how important it was. I feel like... I feel like you'd remember it, you know? There's no fun... 
to the concept of being a trill if it's just like i don't know what it was it was 200 years ago what the fuck i don't i can't remember what happened like what's the fun of having a a, a personality and with that those memories passed down to you i don't know that it's supposed to be fun as a as a as a a species that is being presented to us like so some of the yeah, things that are fun is like Spock has, has more though. strength and can fucking pinch people unconscious. <laughs> but they're writing it like they're writing it like you are saying you want it. That's how they're writing the trill so far. She's got skills from previous hosts. That's what I'm saying. I, I yeah. feel like a lot of the, com- the the letters and hails and comments have been in different because directions. people have seen later episodes. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about my experience thus far in As witnessing it. Stands, it. Yes. Andy is correct. It sort of feels like that's what they have done so far. Okay. As far as I can remember. I'm done with this section. But I only have vague uh, memories from the past episodes we did. Unlike a trill. Correct. Who <laughs> would very specifically seemingly remember everything. <laughs> Can I interest you in some hoop hydrated beetle snuff? I don't think so. Major? No, thank you. Well, suit yourself. More for me. He definitely fits into quintessential space, I go. <laughs> He's just old. <laughs> Little late, aren't we? <laughs> Good uh, performance by my Hardu in this episode. So, you wanted to see me, Commander? I understand you're planning to host a business conference here at the station. Yes, with the Dozai, a race from the Gamma Quadrant. A very profitable opportunity for all concerned, I might add. Profitable for the Ferengi, maybe. Are you implying something major? Me? Not at all. No. The Ferengi reputation speaks for itself. A reputation for honesty and decency and reliability. You always know what to expect when you do business with the Ferengi. Which is why, if you're smart, you don't do business with the Ferengi. I think you've made your point, Major. As misinformed and misguided as it may be. Besides, how we do business is no concern of yours. Except when you conduct your business on this station. In other words, Zek, Grand Nagus or no Grand Nagus, if we allow you to hold your negotiations here and we find out you're cheating the Dosai, I'll see to it you never set foot on this station again. Did anyone ever tell you... Your eyes shine with the brilliance of Kiberian fire diamonds? Not that I recall. <laughs> That's a funny answer. <laughs> Not that I recall. It's funny. All right. Um, yeah, Wallace Shawn being Wallace Shawn. He sure is Wallace Shawn in it. He really is. Uh... Dangling some grain over fertilizer uh, for the Bajorans. For the full opportunity. I don't know. Whatever he's getting. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this episode. Most of my stuff is about the uh, uh, Pell. So. This stuff is, you know, here's the only thing I'll say about this opening here. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time. To get going. It does, yeah. And I, I think that, that their thought is, ah, we got Wallace Shawn back playing the Grand Nages. This is gonna be a barn burner. Oh boy, here we go. And it's just like, yeah, we've seen this. We get it. 
It's yeah, and not... it's like nothing. Uh, no, no earth-shattering revelations. No, uh, just nothing. Nothing different. Nor that interesting. I think maybe this is my issue with these with these Ferengi episodes on DS Nine. Already, Quark is a more interesting, nuanced character. Where we get our Ferengi, uh, a requisite Ferengi jokes and styles, and see, you know him. But in an interesting way, week to week. Why do we need to see it, you know, less depthful versions of that all over the place? And so then the heart of it is the Pell character. It's like, oh, well, that's what we're doing that's different. And, um, and I'm going to get into why I think that doesn't work in this episode. I mean, the fact that you see it coming from 40 miles away is a problem. But So you knew, as soon as you see that character, that it's a, a, a lady playing it? Yeah. I was like, it's either a child or a lady. Uh-huh. Mostly based on the physicality and voice. Uh-huh. So then, like, the quote-unquote reveal wasn't really a reveal to me. It was just like, uh-huh, okay. But that's... It was. It is what it is. I, I blew it for myself because it it the the character came up on the uh, the Amazon thing, but I did. I was pretty far in, and I thought it was just a younger actor. It didn't occur to me that it was a a lady. So I I feel I give them credit for that. Maybe maybe I would have been fooled, but more of the issue to me is um, the performance. Frankie voice is not great. Yeah, the performance is just not there. It's not interesting. I don't think it's the characters written in an interesting way. And uh, there's the no reason there. for the character to fall in love with Quark. And that's the other thing is they don't like the most interesting thing. Feels like it's Quark grappling with the fact that before the reveal happens, that he is attracted to Pell. It feels like that's the most interesting which, subtext. Which to me is like, Quark is so into himself uh-huh. that he only becomes attracted to somebody when they share his opinion of himself. That's fair, yeah. Like, that to me was like a very funny sort of tilt to give Quark. And it seems authentic. It seems like you're saying. It's authentic to yeah. the character, and so it's like, oh, I would kind of buy that, that this character... Yeah. Male, female, whatever is so into yeah, as Quark long as he's revered <laughs> that he is that he loves it. Um, yeah. But I, there's no. It's sort of, and I don't know if it's. I assume it's just because it's the time. But I'm like, well, why don't we deal with that more directly? And have, and then have Pell be more. Mm, I don't know what's the word self-possessed just kind of like have her be like you know once once she makes the reveal be like you're an idiot i'm the best thing that ever happened to you i can't believe you're gonna get all hung up on the fact that i'm a woman when you know you know you're never gonna get anybody as good for me and you know then he can be like i I can't handle any of this that's fine but it's sort of like it's kind of like she's kind of passive the whole time which doesn't fit a person that would have gone to these lengths to live her own life. 
Like, as soon as the reveal happens, she's passive, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But, but she's not passive. He has some nerve. I warned you about that fellow. Pow! Do you mind telling me what you meant just now? <laughs> Did you ever think about why the Negus has put you in charge of such a lucrative opportunity? Isn't it obvious? He knows I have the lobes for business. That's only part of it. I refuse to stand here and allow my brother to be insulted. You're fired. Shut up. Go on. If the negotiations are profitable, then the Negus becomes the greatest hero ever. But if they fail, he's going to need someone to take the blame. You mean me? All I'm saying is be careful. I never heard such ridiculous lies. He's just jealous of your success, brother. No, he's right. If something goes wrong, it'll be my... Would have been a funny runner uh, for them to give to Rom to continue every scene, fire Pell. Uh huh. Yeah, that's true. And then just get and just get stepped on by Quark. Yeah. Like trying to plant reasons for her <laughs> to get fired. Like, uh, you know, Rom is. I'm, uh, list- I'm looking for runners to give an episode. That's not a great sign. Uh, <laughs> Rom is uh, uh, excellent in this episode. Um, but they should have had it go further, I think. Had What's so further. funny is like when uh, when Pell when Pell takes off her ears, only to reveal smaller ears. Yeah. At first, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I assume that this is the first time we've seen like, a female. What? Kind of a Ferengi. Is this the first uh, time we've seen? Them? I think so. Um. Yeah, that was definitely my reaction. I was just like, okay, so this Ferengi has smaller ears. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I was like, what, what, what are they trying to tell me here? <laughs> I don't know why I'm playing it, because there's no dialogue in it, so I'll just skip through. Here's his chief negotiator. <gasps> If you ever do that again. Do what? If you ever do that again, I'll stick those 50,000 kilos of bryzine right yeah. up your... I feel like she would have killed him. Kira uh, would have killed him. I mean, look. I minimally choked him out. It also gets undercut by 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 the muscle man throwing that person out of the... Yeah, I agree. Don't worry. Just a minor disagreement. We just came from the Ambo Jitsu tournament. We have won in all four quadrants. <laughs> These are amongst the dumbest. Yes, they are amongst the dumbest aliens. <laughs> I was saying dumbest How's looking, percent? but How, also. Where's your Brian Thompson? I know him for something big. It's got to be somewhere in your head. No, I looked. Was there anything. Is there anything uh, that you're thinking about? He definitely is super, super, like, been around. But he's always, like, seems to be the goon and stuff. Yeah, but, like, you've never seen... He was the pu- he was one of the punks in Terminator at the beginning that he steals uh-huh. the uh-huh. Uh-huh. clothes from. So I'm sure I would know him from that. He's the, he's the, he's the uh, muscle in the X-Files for the cigarette smoking man oh that's fun like he's like he's like but he's like it might be an alien yeah also like that's what i know him from he's got a fantastic look yeah he looks austrian (laughs) yes 
I think he did play a German or a something in one of his goon parts. So, uh, can you get anyone something to eat? <laughs> All right. Um, in that case, let's go over our offer. As you know, the Ferengi are interested in purchasing 10,000 vats of Tulaberry wine. In exchange, the Dosai will receive what I consider to be a very fair trade package. There are some very interesting items on that list. A sense-based field modulator, uh, uh, some optical data processors. We'll give you 5,000 vats. I'm afraid that won't be enough. Um, we're looking to establish a vast distribution network in the Gamma Quadrant. We'll need at least 10,000 vats. I'm offering you 5,000 vats. I suggest you take it. The Nagus will never agree. This is a waste of time. We should be talking directly to Zek. I know we should be talking to that Zek. accent. Why do you bother talking to this insignificant? I think that's a... I'm going to guess it's her actual accent. Nope. It's what is... Born in Chicago, back, Illinois. Back on board with Andy. <laughs> what accent is that? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm an alien, right? This is the way they talk. No. Again, it's just establishing canon. I love it. <laughs> um, this is a whole episode of people going, I'm an alien, so I talk from the back of my throat like this. Yes, but Quark, you have to blah, blah, blah. I'm a male and not a female because I'm talking from the back of my throat. What is it? I thought that was your Wallace Shawn because it was pretty good as Wallace oh, Shawn. I think it was more like, you are thinking you can do this. <laughs> it's more na- nasal. It's beautiful. It's a lot. <laughs> Dex Excuse is me, I really can't accept all this. on board with the Ferengi. Did Zach really think this was going to get him anywhere? Probably not. But it doesn't stop a Ferengi from trying. You sound like you admire them for it. I suppose in a way I do. I don't understand your attitude about the Ferengi. That's because you don't socialize with them the way I do. Looking back over seven lifetimes, I can't think of a single race I've enjoyed more. Did anyone ever tell you you have very strange taste? I admit they place too much emphasis on profit, and their behavior towards women is somewhat primitive. They're greedy, misogynistic, untrustworthy little trolls, and I wouldn't turn my back on one of them for a second. Neither would I. But once you accept that, you'll find they can be a lot of fun. I feel like this is the Curzon in her talking. I feel like it's the fourth host talking. I don't know. Sleezo? <laughs> yeah, Sleezo. I meant Evay. Treat. Said acquire. Well, I meant Evay! Why don't we just play the round over? That sounds fair. Who asked you? And shouldn't you be plotting strategy for tomorrow's negotiations? Believe me, Nagus, I thought of nothing else all evening. That must be why you're losing so badly. <sighs> and I think by tomorrow we should have an agreement. Well, I've been thinking too, and 10,000 vats of tulaberry wine aren't enough. Tell them we want a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand? But I'm not sure they'll even agree to sell us ten thousand. A hundred thousand vets would mean more profit for them and for us. Now do as I say, or I'm going to take over the negotiations myself. I think raising states is a brilliant idea. You do? It'll show the Gamma Quadrant we mean business. No wonder Quark says you're a genius. Oh, he says that, does he? I've never Most seen time. a sci-fi it's show it's before. Is this what they talk like? This episode 
is mind-numbing. It also feels like you're building to the thing with the Dominion. And that's what the Nagus is really thinking. So is that part of his plan of raising the Tulaberry thing from 10,000 to to 100,000? Like what? It's like the stakes are so muddy here. That it's like, if you think that you're going to do better as the negotiator, why aren't you just negotiating? Why is all this shit happening with Quark? In the previous episode, the Nagus was sort of putting Quark front and center to, I think, flush out uh, the mole and or protect himself. He, like, had a, a reasoning for the plot. But here, it sort of ends with the Dominion, but I don't know what how any of this leads to that. Me either. And that leaves us with kind of like us just watching fucking scenes and just like, what's going on? Now this is what I call fresh. I didn't know the replement had a Ferengi menu. It doesn't. I like to try new things. It's unusual for a Ferengi. I never heard of a trailer who could play Tongo. I guess that makes us both unusual. You know, I was impressed by your show of loyalty to Cork last night. He deserves it. It's not the point. Any other Ferengi would have let Zek pick into pieces. But you're not like any other Ferengi I've ever met. Quirk really likes you. He talks about you all the time. You know, he once convinced me to go up to a hollow suite with him. Turns out he recreated the bedroom I slept in as a child. He overheard me describing it to Kara. Of course, most of the details were wrong, but it was a very sweet gesture. Up until he tried to kiss me. That sounds like quack. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what anybody says. I love him. So do I. You really do, don't you? What? Love quark. Don't bother trying to deny it. I've seen the way you look at him. Keep your voice down. Does he know? He doesn't even know I'm a female. You're a woman? (laughs) Please lower your voice. Please. Mm-hmm. I knew there was something different. One of the most confusing scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> but also nonsensical. <laughs> that is, it does have that going for it. You know, it's like one of those things where you're like I don't buy the story from the character. Yeah. Either character, honestly. Quark to go to the effort. Dex to go to the Hollow sweet with them. Right. And then. And then her to have this reaction after the fact. Yeah. I'm just like. Uh, okay. I mean, that's what they're telling us. They're telling us that Dax is a Ferengi supporter, fan, whatever. Like, I kind of I kind of get the general area they're poking around in, I think, which is Dax has enough different hosts in her that were kind of party people <laughs> that she's just like, I'm down for the fun, whatever. Like the, the Frankie are like douchebags, but they're really fun and I don't care. And so, yeah, you know, he tried to trick me to go to the hollow suite. I can handle myself, so I don't give a crap, but uh, what a dirt bag, but still fun. But for her to end on, it was really sweet. And then say, I don't care. I love him. It's like, I assume you mean like I love I love I love that weirdo, 
but it feels like th- because she says I love him and then the other one says I love him and then she says you do love him it's like it's like I know that you guys are going to argue well she was just trying to trick Pell into saying it but I feel like she's being legitimate or at least they're presenting it as legitimate and I don't fucking get any of it I get that she thinks they're fun I don't get that she's like I love him even on a just to have great affection for him love him right which I think is what she's going for and then the other thing is she she says you do love him and then she said, and then Pell admits she's a female, which if your entire life is hiding this, it seems unlikely that you would drop it like this. Right. And that's the thing that Dax is shocked by. And I thought, oh, I think you. Because she's never met a Ferengi female. Uh huh. I thought it was like she's, she's spotted that she is a female. And that's what this the subtext of this conversation was. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. To me, it was... The conversation was very on the nose for what the conversation was. And I don't think she... I don't think Dax was like, I think this is a female I'm going to find out. I think it was more like, boy, this, this Ferengi really loves Quark. <laughs> right, right. I gotta go find out what's going on there. That's weird. Right. Does she just like gossip? And that's what this is all about? Yeah. She's just trying to lure she her loves in? gossip. Yeah. Hot goss is like catnip. It's like spill truth. the tea, pal. I've never met a Ferengi woman before. You probably never will again. On my world, women aren't allowed to leave the house or wear clothes or learn to read. And you wanted more. Well, insane. In absolutely insane. Yeah. I, I didn't realize. I'd forgotten that it went that far. That is completely insane. Also, not to mention, I mean, this is, <laughs> I guess, just from a logic standpoint, I mean, I guess you're, then you have someone who's never going to challenge your authority or, uh, you know, is basically intellectually enslaved. So that's the, that's the profitability aspect of it. But it feels like, aren't you leaving a lot of profit on the table if you're, I agree, significant other is. If you're not letting... If you're oppressing your significant other? Look, all I'm saying is ladies be shopping, okay? (laughs) And if if you're Ferengi and you're not letting ladies be shopping, look at all that profit you're leaving on the table. Wait, I don't know. How did you get there? What happened? (laughs) They can't leave the house, so they can't go to stores. Yeah, but shopping is... uh, You're losing profit. Unless you're reselling. They're all all purveyors. Unless ladies be reselling. No, I'm telling you. Ladies be they, flipping? They're taking money out of the economy by letting these ladies uh, not out of the house. I see. Me, man. So I made myself a pair of synthetic globes and became one. Why come here? To acquire profit, of course. There's only one thing I wasn't counting on. Falling in love with Quark. What do you think I should do? I don't know. But I do know there's more to life than profit. It's time. We don't want to keep the Dozai waiting. Hurry. Quark's head is massive, by the way. And you see it in these these close-up shots with him and Pell. I understand the Pell's head is probably small. Pell's head's, yeah. I mean, all Sean's head's probably giant, too. Yeah. 
out of the question? That's right. Just thought I'd ask. <gasps> Dax must be crazy. Nice view, isn't it? Don't tell me the negotiations are already over. That's fast work, work. Now, let's see the contract. There is no contract. No contract? But you offered to buy 100,000 bats, didn't you? Yes. And? And that's when they left. The road? The station. What? I begged them to stay. This is a catastrophe, a complete catastrophe! This was your big chance, Quark, and you blew it! You may have seriously harmed future Ferengi no. opportunities in the Gamma Quadrant! Hold on a minute. We said we're gonna get you the Chula Berries, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. We are? How? We're going to travel to the Gamma Quadrant, find the Dosi, and get them to sign the contract! And how do you plan to get there? We'll take your ship. My ship? Oh, and I suppose you expect Mayhardu to pilot it for you. We don't need Mayhardu. I can pilot the ship myself. It's up to you, Nagus. Do you want those tulip berries or not? Good Mayhardu right. performance again. You can use my hmm? Good Mayhardu performance again. He's getting a lot Mayhardu's of... Mayhardu's the unsung hero of this episode. A lot of specific acting in the background. Hi. The, uh, the thing in the back there, the little dome, kind of looks like the Picard hypnosis thing in the battle on the uh, Stargazer. Is. is that what it is? Are they being hypnotized? <laughs> Are they not yeah, really there? Possibly. <laughs> possibly. Are we being hypnotized? I'm glad someone notices. When's Korg due back? Oh, how should I know? He never tells me anything. He doesn't even bother to insult me anymore. It's Pell, that, that flabby-eared interloper. He's stealing my brother's affections. Mm, you're better off. But he's my brother. Would you let someone steal your brother? I don't have a brother. Not that I know of, anyway. But if you did? Well, I suppose if I did have a brother, even one as worthless as Quark, I wouldn't let anyone come between us. Weird, weird side moment for uh, for Odo. I like, I like the. I'd go to the ball game with him, and uh, we'd hang out and have a beer. Uh, we'd get into different shapes. Uh, I would be a triangle; he would be a square. Every uh, summer, we'd go fishing at Paws. <laughs> he finds the ears. Does he immediately know she's a woman? Good question. Yeah, I guess so. He's faking how big his ears are. <laughs> I mean... Is that a big thing in the Frankie world? I don't know. Bigger the ears? Uh, they always say you have the lobes for business or whatever. Profit? The lobes for profit? Yeah. Wouldn't we be more comfortable sleeping on the ship? No, I want to be right here in case Inglatu changes his mind. Don't worry, I don't snore. Wait! What is it? The ma- why, why, I why Pell can't sit in that chair? Well, also, even just them lying together, what is she... She's she's so in love with him. I think she'd be ravenous in that bed. Oh, is, do you think that's what's going on? The subtext I is do she's... Think that's what's if I lie down next to you, I have to have you! Yeah, I think that's exactly oh, what all right. Is. I kind of like that subtext. Mattress! What about it? It looks lovely. Actually, it's very comfortable. 
I can't sleep on a lumpy mattress. By your luck, there's not a lump to be found. Try it for yourself. What side do you want? What are you doing? Getting undressed. What does it look like? You're not going to sleep, are you? Why not? I'm tired. Shouldn't we be discussing rules of strategy? There's nothing to discuss. But you know what the 103rd rule of opposition says. Not offhand. Sleep can interfere And with I don't the... care either. Wait! What is it now? First a toast. To what? To a trumpet. Of course. Uh, of course. Is it warm in here? It must be the wine. I hope so. I was really impressed with the way you handled Englato. I was good, wasn't I? Now let's get to bed. Wait! The look on his face when you knocked over that barrel! That was risky. The riskier the road, the greater the profit. 60 second rule. That's right. You really know your rules. And you have a very nice smile. I do. <laughs> oh! Quark! I have something I have to tell you. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? No, definitely not. Are you sure? Positive. I'll come back tomorrow. I have to go work on my accent. It's gone now, obviously. Before, I was trying to do a sort of New Yorky thing, and now I'm doing something else. Not because I thought it was Eastern European. Want to, but because he can't. If he can't, can't. who can? You yeah, like, I wish I could, but there aren't that many vats on the entire planet. So we're finished. Not necessarily. If you really want a hundred thousand vats of tulaberry wine, I can put you in touch with the right people. For a price, of course. Of course. I always said you were my favorite dozai. Now, um, who do we have to see? The Karama. Who's the Karama? An important power in the Dominion. Uh, the Dominion? What's that? Let's just say, if you want to do business in the Gamma Quadrant, you have to do business with the Dominion. Now, I understand how big the Dominion becomes. But right now, nothing is happening in this episode. Nothing has happened of note Correct. in this episode. And now they're taking another scene to discuss something that we don't know what it is. Correct. <laughs> it's really... And to me, the interesting thing to pursue is what happened uh -huh. in the previous scene where it's it's like, okay, it's a very, you know, sort of low lowest grade Tootsie kind of... Right. Hell is kissing him and then he's freaked out. But it's sort of, to me, the most interesting thing is Quark does seem into Pell. And so that raises the questions of is he freaked out because homosexuality doesn't exist amongst the Ferengi? Or they have a very, you know, uh, unevolved perspective on it? I assume, based on Maybe their unevolved perspectives on women. He doesn't want to share his profit with anybody. I would be fine with that if that was the subtext, but it's like none of it's defined. It's all played from Pell's perspective, and we're not invested in Pell at all for both the performance and the way that Pell is mm -hmm. written. Right. I mean, it would have been much more interesting to have Quark grappling with these feelings. Like, even if you want to say that 
that the the Ferengi have a very unevolved perspective on homo- homosexuality, like have him have these feelings and not know what to do with them, and he has to hide them, um, or or discuss them in some way. But it's just like you don't play. They're playing Quark as the the prop somehow. It's very unsatisfying. It misses the mark. But this makeup almost, on this In lady. almost every single way. I agree. Didn't mean tulaberries. No, he meant the Dominion. That's why he sabotaged negotiations. He never wanted to do business with the Docite. He just wanted to use them to get to a more important member of the Dominion. Quark, we need to talk. We are talking. Don't you want to know I kissed you? You never kissed me. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I don't want to discuss it anymore. Let's just concentrate on the Dominion. I only wish Cyrene would have told us more. Maybe it's some planetary alliance or trading consortium. Whatever it is, it's important. And I want a piece of it. Um. So the idea is that the Nagus sabotaged the negotiations. That's Quark's idea. I'm not sure that that is the actually what happened because there is no indication from the Wallace Shawn character that that is what happened. Not not at all. Nor does it yeah. even check out that he would sabotage the negotiations and that would lead them to give them to the to toward the point Part toward of the me Dominion. Chalks it up to um, to Quark being so uncomfortable with what happened that he's just word salading. Right. You know what I mean. Although the Nagus does know about the dominion so Mm. it tracks in terms of what turns out but it doesn't track in terms of what we're watching happen (laughs) right oh may i speak with you brother all right but make it quick (laughs) what do you think of the psych egg uh him it's a hell of a it's a hell of a stiff fall yeah it's interesting they do it on stairs. You don't often see a a Pratt fall fainting on the stairs. Seems like that would be more painful. Matt's frozen. Now you're going to hear us talking at the same time. All right, little little hiccup. My audio probably sounds a little bit better to you guys. Thankfully, Andy had a backup of my track. Otherwise, we'd be real sad. I don't even know how long we were doing the podcast for before that. Uh, it's probably about an hour and forty. Yeah, probably. Whoa, my goodness! Here we are. We were just going to talk about the pratfall. Uh, my main point about the pratfall is you don't often see a backward falling faint, fainting pratfall onto stairs. Feels like that would vastly increase the possibility of injury. I guess they're probably all padded, but still. Um, it's so stiff, though. It's like they replace him with like a mannequin. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it's it a stiff fall. Armin. Chimmerman's, uh, you know, ability with physical comedy. 
Mm. I gotta figure out why that's off. And then turn this on. I mean, that's a good stiff fall right there. Um, that's quite a bump. Oh, he does have a bump on his head. I didn't notice that the first time. Did you see that? No wonder they were nominated for the makeup <laughs> Emmy. Yeah, Easy now. Well, That's quite a bump you've got oh, yeah. there. Where's Ralph? Right here, brother. Luckily, there doesn't seem to be any serious damage. Uh, if you don't mind, I I'd like to rest here for a few minutes. Of course. I'll be in the other room if you need me. We don't want to have to build another set. <laughs> you haven't told anybody, have you? You mean about Pell? I haven't breathed the word. I thought it'd be best if you told Zek yourself. Nobody's going to tell Zek anything. Is that clear? But she's a female. Not so loud. Who wears clothes and is trying to earn profit. Why, she even quotes from the sacred rules of acquisition. Such a female must be severely punished. I know that. Then we must stop her. No. You're scaring me, brother. Could it be you have feelings for this woman? Of course not. Don't you see? If Zek learns that I've been deceived by a female, I'd be ruined. He'd never trust me again. But if you don't tell him and he finds out, you're certain to be ruined. What a conundrum, huh? This is crazy. When they say clothes, do they mean men's clothes or they mean any clothes? I think they mean any clothes. They have always said that their females are naked. So it's interesting. It's just so... <laughs> They're basically slaves then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's once again interesting that they they have... It's like they, I understand that the Frankie are sort of presented as kind of like, ah, oh, those greedy little dicks and they're so conniving and everything. But they're kind of comical and we love them and they're mm-hmm. both also moral. And it's kind of like, really, the the aspect of it that dates it is that there aren't harsher condemnations for the Frangies as a whole and that anyone accepts them at all. Like Dax's run is very feels the most dated. Yeah, of, no one anything no one episode. no one has a problem with this it seems. <laughs> because you just can have aliens of all different types that are just like, "Oh, these people oppress these people, these people believe in slavery." And as long as the Federation is on the right side of it, then it's like, yeah, okay, you can present people that are are evil in that way, or or myopic or whatever. But it's like, but the whole show kind of presents Quark and Frankie as kind of like those rascals. <laughs> <laughs> you little rascals! Oops, over there. Well, put them on before somebody sees you. No one's going to see me. Put them on now and wrap yourself up. Have you finished packing? Am I going somewhere? As far away from the station as possible. But you need me, Quark. I'm the only one you can trust. Not anymore. Well, what did you expect? I mean, look at you. You're wearing clothes. 
Is that a crime? As a matter of fact, it is. Look, it's just too risky for you to stay here. And you can take this with you. What is it? Ten bars of latinum to help you start a new life. If you're going to pretend you're a man, act like one. Take the profit. This is not about profit anymore. It's about love. Oh, spoken like a true female. I love you, Quark. And I know you care about me, too. Admit it. What difference does it make if I do? This seems all wildly unearned. From whose side? I mean, I agree with you. Uh, hers and his. Both. Right. Just that he would be in love with her. See, I buy the thing that you're saying that, like, the reason he's in love with her is because she's... Right. She's a, so, so in that love with it seems him, like yeah. that fits him. But, like, there's, I don't see... There's no, there's no legwork done uh, in any way, shape, or form to, like, show us why she might have fallen in love with Quark. I think that's what's interesting is the characterization of Pell is sort of like she's this woman who overcame just unimaginable oppression. They're not even allowed clothes. Mm -hmm. Taught herself to read and understand profit, is incredibly smart, figured out a way to hide as a man in plain sight, and then falls in love with this guy and you could say all right well quark is very clever so that's what she admires about him and then abandons everything immediately when she's in love with him to i mean even if you could say all right well that's possible she was raised in oppression so this is just the trauma that is lurking in her but it's like that's not interesting that's not what we want to see what we want to see to me is Mm -hmm. she is sucking him in with all this this stuff about how in love she is, and that, in keeping with everything the Nages does, is part of a like multi tiered plan she has to screw him out of a thousand bars of latinum, right. and maybe she sort of is in love with him also. But at the end, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, because I'm Ferengi and uh, fuck you. But yes, I'm also in love with you. But uh, fuck you. Like, that would have been more interesting. But she's just kind of just as as one-dimensional as the way that they see their women in the end. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was just going to say one other thing, which is it kind of feels like a lot of guests... No, nah, that's not fair to say. But certainly all the ones that they throw, like... Like, it reminded me of Vosh, where it's sort of like... Picard is always talking about how clever and and outrageous she is and she kind of isn't <laughs> right get better romantic leads for these characters let me guess too busy thinking about how to spend all that latinum we're gonna earn <laughs> well I don't blame you come I thought you said she left the station. I thought she did. I hope loud. you don't mind, Cork, but I couldn't leave without saying goodbye to the Nagus. I'm glad you stopped by. I know how much you helped Cork during the negotiations. I predict a big future for you, pal. You certainly have the lobes for it. So, you like my lobes? Pal? Yes, I do. 
That's a funny read. That's a funny read. He's like, that is... He's reading it as confused as I am watching this. <laughs> well, Walsh like, is a I, is I a comedy guess, professional. There's no taking I guess that away. This is him. I guess this is Deep Space Nine. Like that's what I'm saying to myself. Out loud. And he's like, yeah, Why, I like the lobes. <laughs> Remind me of the theme again. I'm confused. <laughs> no, it's a female. Does this mean I don't get the bar? Rum out. Work is outrageous. Now what's going on here? I, 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 Leave him out of this. You dare give me orders? You knew about this all along, didn't you? <laughs> so tell me more about my big future. You have no future. I'll see to it that you spend the rest of your life in prison. No. Let me remind you that taking business advice from a female is a violation of Ferengi law. <laughs> that's I didn't a, know that's a, a funny female. specific. Stupidity is no excuse. Now, one more word out of you, and you are going to share her cell. Then you better make sure it's big enough for three. Are you threatening me? I wonder what your associates will say when I tell them you allowed a female to represent you in a business negotiation. I didn't know she was a female. Stupidity is no excuse. Oh, shit. <laughs> it seems that Pell's identity will have to remain our little secret, but it's going to cost you. My gamma quadrant profits. I've always said you were a bright fellow, Quark. Shame on you. <laughs> Take a good turn. I hope you're satisfied. Um, I do love it when she's like, "Now get me the Latin." <laughs> Take those ten. Bu- well then. I guess if I can't have you, I'll take those ten bars of Latinum after all. Oh. I think she should have even been playing into the lobes more to justify his reaction. No, again, he's just like, oh, she really gets me. She loves me so much. <laughs> and the uh, the Latinum thing is a is an afterthought, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I agree. And and it's uh, just the whole thing. Go ahead. No, I agreed with you. I know. Uh, Is that a problem? Oh I just God. don't. I shouldn't have agreed with you. I just am. I'm confused. I'm just like uh, you know. I'm like you're ready for a fight, and then all of a sudden I'm like I don't want to fight. <laughs> I will say in that kiss, uh, Armin uh, Shimmerman, he goes straight for the open mouth kiss. And I can't figure out if that's like I liked you? it as a Is choice. Is that a, of a Ferengi, Ferengi thing? I think that's a Ferengi choice. <laughs> like I feel like he should have made it. Why are we wasting he... time um, having should... our mouths be closed? <laughs> Wallace Shawn's back. <laughs> I like a full open mouth kiss immediately. It's not kissing if my tongue's not involved. <laughs> Lost enough for one day. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Pell. She came by to see me before she left. I'm gonna miss her. So are you. You really think I'd let anyone come between us? Nice try, Quark. But I know you better than that. (laughs) 
Good performance by him. Yes. I agree. And that is the rules of acquisition, everyone. The rules of acquisition have been discussed. And now we got to do some NBC action here. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Aldo and Morg. What is not MVC? Give me Is it Morn? For not sleeping on the promenade? He did uh, clear right off and go home. Is it Odo for clearing Morn off? Oh, I see where your head's at. Who 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 is it today? Really, there's no danger stakes. Yeah, to the I guess Quark's kind of in danger when he goes into the Gamma Quadrant to negotiate with the. But if anything, does I don't I don't really I only have vague assumptions of mm-hmm. what turns it happens with the Dominion, but I know that it's negative. Is it the connections mm-hmm. they make the Dominion all negative? I mean, you can't you can't look at future events when awarding an MVC. Okay, um, let's see. Dax kind Spoilers. of makes Quark look at his own feelings at the end instead mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Was there anything with uh, Kira and Cisco? Um. No, that's really just Quark kind of negotiating right. and the Nagus negotiating. Then there's, I guess, uh, Bashir heals the the bump on. Uh, yeah, he does Quark's a good job head. being a doctor there. You know. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Dex. Frankly, I'm going to give it to Dex for fucking being so tolerant because it's insane. <gasps> All right, give it to, Enjoy to your fucking Kira. Dex. How about for Kira for not taking uh, Quark's head for off? Not- for not killing the Grand Nagus of the Ferengi? Yeah. Oh, yes, it was right. The Grand Nagus, it wasn't Quark. Uh, I mean, it could be Kira for that exact reason. I'll give it to Kira. You give it to Dax. Okay. How many Andes does this episode get? Oh, boy. I like this episode even less than the first time I watched it. Right. It's hard to say any... I mean, Quark is, you know, has some fun moments. Uh, Rom is very funny. It has Wallace Shawn in it. Wallace Shawn has some few moments. Did laugh a couple times. So that makes... It's two. So that'll be two It is so inherently... That that character, the Pell character... You could have made this, I think, a really good episode with the... The hidden gender plot, and with yeah. the stuff of the, the 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 gender specifics of like that's how bad they treat their women. And I would even go farther and say this could have been kind of one of those things that they did with the Klingons, where it's like, well, the Klingons were the villains, and now we're making them more understandable by doing the honor thing, by really getting into what's going on on that planet. And yes, we're playing all these comedic specifics of they're the most loathsome people ever, but here's where we're reclaiming them and, and you know, Quark kind of reversing his position and 
And it's just none of that is done because Pell is both not, it's not a great performance. It's a terrible performance. And it's written like a weak character, which doesn't add up with what the character is doing, which heightens how offensive it is about the fr- how the Frankie treat their women in the first place. If that was the reverse and she fucking was pulling the strings on everybody, then it would have something. Sorry. I mean, there is there. Yeah, there. I don't. I don't see anything. I give it a two. That's exactly right. I gave it a two for the two laughs I got out of the episode. <laughs> That's amazing. We agreed completely. <laughs> I guess we're not Ferengi fan. I think people probably love this episode. I'm curious. Although it's hard to through a modern lens to love the episode. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Just people love the fucking Grand Nages so much and Wallace Shawn doing it that it's... Maybe. And like Kira and Dax are both pretty funny. It's funny that most of the time what bothers me about the Frankie episodes is the the broadness of the performances are so, so over the top that it gets cutesy and I don't like the comedy. That's right. not the problem in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem mm-hmm. is the emotional plot is a mess. That's... So true. And no Chief O'Brien, so it gets it too. Oh, gosh, yeah, and you only get Bashir for one scene. He doesn't show up until way late. Yeah, not, and you only get that I care. those like two scenes. Yeah. All right. Everyone, we'll regroup for the next D-Space 9. Hopefully it'll be better. Also, don't forget, we're doing a live episode of uh, Andy and I talking about Strange New Worlds over in the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Hop on in, give it a join, interact with us while we're recording. Let's figure out what we all thought of the season. It'll be fun. I promise. Ish. Disengage. Disengage.